This morning we're going to be talking about intercessory prayer. We're going to see Moses do something remarkable in Exodus chapter 32. And hopefully we can take that and apply it to our lives and see God do great things in and through us. Now, Moses is up on the mountain, as you remember from last week. And while he's on the mountain, the people of Israel, they create this golden calf, this idol, this thing that they should not have had anything to do with. They create this thing, and they begin to worship it, and they party, and, and it's just a big, fat mess. And God tells Moses to get down from the mountain quickly, for the people have strayed from God. God was displeased with them, as you can imagine, right? I mean, he delivered them out of Egypt with all of these miracles. He had done amazing things on their behalf, and yet they come out into the wilderness. Things get tough a little bit, and as soon as uh, the... How, how does that saying go? When the going gets tough, the tough get going, or something like that. Well, uh, the people of Israel, when the, go, when the going gets tough, the tough just like... Uh, well, they're not tough at all, so they just kind of fall to pieces and just... Uh, just went back to the ways of Egypt. And that's what the people of Israel did. They rejected God, they sinned against Him, and they chased after a false god. And God is ready to judge them as a result of that. Let me start by reading in Exodus chapter 32. I want to read verses 8 through 10. And this is our first point this morning. When we talk about intercessory prayer, we're, going to, we're talking about interceding for the salvation of others that they might be saved. And this is what happens here in Exodus chapter 32. So beginning in verse 8, it says this. It says in verse 8, They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. God is talking to Moses. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them. So this is what, what God says. Let me alone, Moses. And, and that statement right there is, is pretty remarkable. Let me alone, as if Moses had anything to do with it. But Moses did have something to do with it. And Moses wasn't letting him alone to pour out his wrath from, against the people. Now Moses goes down, he sees what's happening, he comes back, and in verse 31, Exodus 32, 31, it says this, Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. And so it was true, of course it was true, they had sinned against him. But God had another plan, he was ready to put in place, and it's found at the end of verse 10. At the end of verse 10, it says, God is talking again. Move out of the way, Moses, so I can consume them. And then God says this to Moses, And I will make of you a great nation. I will make of you a great nation. Now, if I was Moses and God said to me, "Let me Move out of the way, let me destroy them, and I will make of you a great nation, I would be like, yes! You understand what I'm saying? And it's like, okay, you know, this is great news for me. Uh, you know, fool and the people, all they do is complain and give me a hard time, and I don't want anything to do with them, but, you know, here, God's got a good plan for me, a positive plan, a, a plan of prosperity, health, wealth, and prosperity. He's got that for me. Yes, do it, God. What a great plan. Instead, however, 
Moses does something remarkable. He prayed for those sinful, ungrateful, hateful, irreverent, ungodly, and dumb Israelites. He prayed for them. Exodus 32, verse 11, it says, Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God. And this reveals to us that there is a great need for intercession on our part as people of God. There is a great need for us to pray for those people who are around us. For the unsaved people who do not believe in God, or maybe marginally believe in God, if that's even a thing. For those people who shake their fist at God, or who don't want anything to do with God, or who say they love God, but just don't do anything about it. We see them all around us in our lives. They are at home, maybe. They are at work. They are at school. They're at the grocery store. They're at the hardware store. They live across the street. They live next door to us. These are the people, the sinners that are all around us. And because of their sin, judgment is coming upon them. They have sinned and they have rejected God and judgment is coming upon them. We know this from the Bible. Here are just a few verses that express the judgment of God against the sinfulness of man. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the first part here, it says, For the wages of sin is death. We all know that. The wages of sin is death. And then I pulled out a verse that you may not be too familiar with, but um, this is uh, in the book of Jude, verses 14 and 15. Going down to the quote there, it says, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of their of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and all of the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. If you didn't pick up on it, the key word in that verse is ungodly. Did you see it in there? Yeah, just a couple of times. So we have sinners all around us. Um, uh, we are sinners ourselves, and there is intercession that is necessary. It is our duty as Christians. We, we have no trouble praying for ourselves. I mean, we spend a lot of time, we get before the Lord, and we cry to him and you know we praise him and we confess our sins and we ask him to give us all of these things that we need in our lives we ask him to give us the help that we need we just kind of do all of these things and and uh, we're pretty good at that i think but what we're not so good at is standing in the gap or interceding for the person that is next to us the person who is sinning the 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 bad person the sinner the unlovable one that is next to us we don't pray for them we pray for our friends, you know, because they're nice to us and we have a good relationship with them and, you know, all that's good. We pray for them, um, but we need to be, be praying for the people who really need it the most. We need to pray for those unlovable, sinful people that are around us to intercede on their behalf. No, they are not beautiful and no, they're not doing right. They are unrighteous. They are they are ungodly. They have wronged God. They have wronged us. They are not our friends. But they need our prayers. They need our prayers as much as we do. They need our prayers maybe more than we do. And God is looking for intercessors. 
God is looking for intercessors. That's you and me. He is looking for us as believers to be willing to stand up and do what Moses did. Get between God and the people and pray. Lord, don't do this to them. Be merciful and gracious. In Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 29 and 30, it says, The people of the land have used oppression, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Isn't that sad? God is looking. God was looking. He was looking for someone who would be willing to stand in the gap to fill that space between him and the people. A mediator, an intercessor to say, forgive them, do not destroy them, do not bring judgment against them. And he found no one. In Isaiah chapter 59, verses 15 through 16, it says this, So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness, it sustained him. So God was amazed there was no intercessor, and so he determined and he said, I will do it myself. And this is where Jesus comes into the picture, and we'll come back to that at the end. But here we are as the people of God, and we are on the other side of the cross, and Jesus has already died for our sins, and he rose again in victory over, uh, uh, over our sins and the punishment that we, we were deserving of. He conquered that. He rose again. He sent the Holy Spirit, and praise be to the Lord, we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God this morning. Amen? And so there is a, there is a special ministry, a special presence of God within each our lives. It is no longer one man, Jesus Christ, who works the, the work of intercessor. He is our, our great head, obviously, but now he works through us, the church, and he has called us to stand in the gap and to intercede on behalf of others. And so there are people that are in your lives, and, and you know, usually, well, this includes the people who give you the most trouble and grief, whoever they might be. They are the ones that are in your life. Uh, you know, after all, you, you didn't have to live here and now, right? You could have lived in any other part of the world. I mean, God could have created you in any part of the world, in any time in history. But here we are, right here, right now, in this place, West Virginia of all places. I mean, who would have thought, thunk, thought it, or whatever, you know? Here we are, right? And we had nothing to do with it, but here we are. For such a time as this, to stand up, and to pray for those people in our lives, even the ones, and especially for the ones who give us the most trouble. So there they are in our lives. They are troubled. They are away from God. They are sinning. They are causing trouble. And it could be because you haven't interceded for them. And so let us, let us stand up. Let us, when God says, uh, I looked for an intercessor, let us start waving our hands. Here I am. You know, it's like Isaiah who shall I send? And Isaiah just started, here I am, send me, send me. Let's be like that. God is looking for an intercessor, and now we're on this side of the cross, and so let there be no, let there not be no one, let there be us. 
Let us be the ones to stand up. I will pray. I will intercede for them. Forgive them, O Lord, of their sins, even as you have forgiven me of my sins. Now, you know, if Moses had not interceded, this is pretty remarkable. If Moses had not interceded, God would have destroyed the people for their sins. The wages of sin is death, after all. We see in Psalm 106, verse 23, it says, Therefore he said that he would destroy them, had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he destroy them. The implication is God would have destroyed them, but Moses stood before him in the breach, in the gap, and turned away his wrath. Now, we're talking about interceding or praying for those that are around us who are sinning, and that's good, but um, that intercession also continues for us as people and children of God. I believe intercessor intercession is more than praying for uh, the salvation of others. It is the burden of prayer that we all carry every day. And it, re- it is reflected in the Lord's Prayer. Um, you remember when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, as part of his moder- model of prayer, he said, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, there is nothing so basic and mundane as bread. We, you know, we live to eat and we need to eat. It is important for our our physical life. And yet it is just so basic. It is just such a, a basic part of everyday life. And yet Jesus cares about this. He cares about whether or not we have enough bread to eat. And so give us this day our daily bread. And I think in this we have a principle that it is okay for us to pray and to intercede for just kind of the normal, everyday things that we face in this life. Now, I grew up as a Christian. I grew up um, in a tradition of faith and healing. That was the first church that I went to, and I really learned a whole lot. And the emphasis was this, that, you know, God wants us to have the answers to our prayer and the emphasis was, well, we need to have faith in order to receive the answers to our prayer. And so that was kind of the emphasis. And it wasn't just my church that was preaching that. And even today, you can uh, find churches that are preaching that. I have to have faith. I have to have faith. I have to trust and believe in God. And that's true, right? I do have to have faith. It's not possible to please God unless I have faith. That is absolutely necessary. But you see, the idea that I have to have faith removes from the equation the impact of intercessory prayer where somebody else is praying for me rather than me praying for me only. And if you consider it here, the people of Israel, they didn't have faith. They rejected God, right? Who was the one who had the faith in this particular instance for their salvation? It was Moses who had the faith, not the people. And we see this throughout the ministry of Jesus. And this is just kind of an extreme example, but you could take it to every miracle that Jesus had performed there, that he had done. And uh, the example I want to give is the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Remember that? This is one of the greatest miracles that Jesus did, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Well, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, Mary didn't have faith. Martha didn't have faith. Lazarus definitely didn't have faith. Who had the faith? Jesus had the faith. Lazarus, come forth. Boom. He had the faith. And it happened just as he said. And so intercession is when we 
have the faith on behalf of somebody else. That's intercession. And that is necessary as a part of our Christian life. I need you to pray for me because I am weak and my faith is flagging. I need your faith through your intercession on my behalf. And so this is where we step up to the plate and you say, you're the designated hitter and you, you know, say, you go sit back down, I'm going to hit for you. And we get up there and we hit for them. And so let us pray even for the mundane needs. We pray for our, the salvation of people. We pray for the mundane needs of, play, of people. We intercede for one another. It is absolutely important. Because when we are embroiled in the midst of our situation, we don't tend to think right. We don't tend to emote right. We just have trouble all the way around, right? But you're not in my situation or in the next person's situation. You can come along with a more level head, a more firm spiritual foundation there in that particular situation. You can come up and say, I will stand here with you and I will pray for you. That's intercessory prayer. And that's what we need to be about. So let us pray for the salvation of others. Let us stand in the gap. Let us fill the breach. Let us pray for the salvation. Please forgive them, O Lord, and bring salvation to them. Let us also pray for their sake, for their sake, for their benefit, as opposed to us. Like I said, we don't have any trouble praying for something that reflects our own benefit or the benefit that I'm going to get. That's great. We all understand that. Easy peasy. But where we do struggle is where we just put ourselves aside, we are selfless in our prayers, and we want God to answer the prayer for their sake and not for anything that we are going to get in return. It is about their greatest need. It is about the need of the other person rather than my own need. It is praying for their sake, not for me. If they are not saved, they will be judged for their sin, and they will spend eternity in hell. And that should bother us. And because it bothers us, we should stand up or fall on our knees, however you want to do it, and intercede for them. God told Moses, I will make of you a great nation. And Moses, instead of accepting that or receiving that, instead, he expressed his care for the people, he expressed his care for God's honor, and he interceded for them, not for himself, but for them. And Moses did this because he was a humble man. He wasn't looking out for his own benefit or blessing. He was looking out for God's name, and he was looking out for the blessing of the people. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, it says this, Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Isn't that great? What a great statement concerning Moses. He was more humble than all men who are on the face of the earth. Uh, that's something to aspire to. And so we must be like Moses in this case, and we must stir up our compassion for the souls of the people that are around us. Do we care about them? I hope that we do. Moses is so intent on this, he says this, and this is pretty remarkable. This is verse 32, Exodus 32, verse 32. He says, Now, Again, if I was Moses and God said, I'm going to make of you a great nation, I'd be, I would not be like this. Listen to what Moses says. 
This just shows how far away I am from what Moses was like. It says this, Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, great, that's implied. But if not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which you have written. This is how much Moses really cared for the people. If you're not going to forgive them, then do away with me as well. When you do away with them, do away with me too. I believe that just shows Moses' compassion and love for the people, as obstinate and stiff-necked as they were. I think many, many, many years later, Paul had the same thing in mind. For he says, in Romans chapter 9, verses 1 and 3, he says this, Paul does, I tell you the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. What a remarkable thing for Paul to say. He's saying, basically, I'll go to hell for them, for their sake. How extensive is the grace and the compassion of Moses and of Paul. And I hope that we can just get a sliver of that and have compassion for others. And when we spend our time praying, that we would spend our time interceding for the needs of others. And this brings, our third, brings us to our third point. Intercede for God's, um, intercede for the sake of others, intercede for God's sake. Now this really occupies a lot of time in Moses' re- response to God. In the account in Exodus chapter 32, Moses is concerned about what God did and his reputation. He says, uh, well, he, re- re- he uh, just goes over again um, what God had done how God had demonstrated his power. He had brought the people of Israel out of Egypt in a, you know, with a strong hand. And all the nations around, especially Egypt, of course, knew what God had done. He had done great things. And now they came out into the wilderness. So he delivered them from Egypt. He brought them into the wilderness. And what was he going to do? Because they set up this golden calf, he was going to kill them all. Well, what a terrible, what a terrible ending to a great story that would have been. And so Moses reminds him of that. He says, did you just bring them out of Egypt to let them die in the wilderness? No, that can't be. That would change everybody's view of you. What are they going to think? They're going to think you couldn't protect them. You delivered them well enough, but you couldn't save them in the wilderness. It was too hard. And it will be a dishonor to you, not a glory to you. And plus, Moses brings up the promise that God had made to Abraham about multiplying him, not Moses, but Abraham and his descendants. And so this is really important. In Exodus chapter 32, verses 11 to 12, 11 to 13, it says, beginning in verse 11, Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them in the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have spoken of, I give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever." So this is Moses' Moses' response. And it's really interesting. Uh, If you go to the book of Daniel, 
Daniel says the same thing as he's praying for the people. He says in Daniel chapter 9, verse 19, Daniel is praying. He is interceding on behalf of the people. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not. And, and here it is. For your own sake, oh, my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. And what we're talking about is this. We are Christians, and because we are Christians, we bear the name of God. And so every time we act in a way that is dishonoring to God, every time we lie and every time we steal and every time we're unkind and say an unkind word to our neighbor and every time we just act wrongly, we bring dishonor to God because people know, or they should know, we are Christians. And Christians don't do those kinds of things. But every time we speak rightly and every time we act rightly and every time we're humble and every time we help and every time we do any of these qualities or, or acts in the name of Christ, we bring honor and glory to Him. And that should be the, the majority of our lives. It should be filled with these God-like things, attitudes and actions. These God-like things should fill our lives. And as they fill our lives, we bring glory to God. Now, what Moses did was great. It was amazing. But what he did was imperfect. Moses was a poor intercessor. He interceded, but he was a poor intercessor. What do you mean, pastor, he was a poor intercessor? Because even though the Lord changed his mind, and it says in well, I'm going to come to it in a second. It says the Lord relented or repented, or he changed his mind about that. Even though he did that, it was just a partial forgiving, and it was a partial relenting of judgment. It wasn't a complete thing. And at the end of chapter 32, it says this, the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. There is still judgment that is coming, even though Moses has interceded. But it's not a full judgment. So Moses, Moses' intercession was successful, but only successful up to a certain point. But there is another intercession that we have, and of course I'm talking about Jesus. Jesus is the perfect intercessor. Jesus is the perf- he has done the perfect work. He is the one who stood in the gap, continues to stand in the gap, and he will continue to stand on, in the gap on behalf of you and me. Praise be to God. And so we look at some, this is just a sampling of the verses that we could look at. But in Romans chapter 8, verse 34, it says, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Praise be to God for that. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. He is the perfect mediator. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25. Therefore, he also he is also able to save to the uttermost. Now, I don't understand that uh, little qualification there being uh, can you be a little bit saved and then saved to the uttermost? I don't quite get that, but uh, whatever it is, he is going to save us to the uttermost. Woo, it's not going to be a partial saving or anything like that. He's not going to forgive us of maybe uh, 90% of our sins or 50% of our sins. It is a complete forgiving that he um, brings about for us. He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them.
And so he is our great intercessor. And like I said a moment ago, he has sent his Holy Spirit to live and to dwell in him. And we are in his stead on this earth. And just as he has done and as he is doing, so we must do while we are here. And let us then fall on our knees and intercede for all of those people that are around us. The ones who love us and the ones who don't. The ones we love and the ones we don't. Let us pray for one another as believers in Christ. Let us pray for our needs, but let us intercede. We can have the faith that sometimes the other person who is in the midst of the trouble cannot have. And our, our role of praying is indispensable. This is how God has set it up to be done. This is one of our roles. And let us be about the business of intercessory prayer. Uh, every week I try to send out a, well, I send out the week ahead email. And if you're not getting that, please uh, send a message to Ben so that we can add you to the list. But anyway, I send a message every week. And one of the things that I say or I ask for there is that you send your prayer requests to me. So we you send them to me, and we'll send out emails, and we post them on our website, um, on our Faith Life website, so only us can see it. But we post them there, and the purpose is this, that the rest of us would fall on our knees and intercede for them. So first of all, don't hold back. If you have a prayer need, don't hold back from sending it. And once you see those, don't hold back from praying, because your prayers are needed, they are necessary, and sometimes God won't do anything unless we fall down and pray. For them. So let us be about the business of prayer. And I'm hoping that as we go into the future, that our, our intercessory prayer, our intercession, our prayer ministry will grow and grow and grow. And that one of the things that people will uh, know us for is that we are a praying church and that God hears our prayers and answers our prayers. Wouldn't that be a great testimony to have? And it's not to bring attention to ourselves, it's just to, to practice what God has uh, put with it in front of us to practice. That's what we want to do. And we want to give him glory in everything, in everything. And that would include that. So pray, pray, pray for others. Intercede and see what great things God will do.